0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Coming to you live from New York, I'm Zane Asher, and this is First Move, and here is what you need to know wrong direction. Another warning as the US breaks another coronavirus record. Opening up, the UK lifts travel restrictions and prepares to ease its lockdown. And home cinema, how coronavirus could mean an end to the summer blockbuster weekend. It is Friday, my friends, and let's make a move. Welcome to First Move, everyone. So good to have you with us. It is the start of a long 4th of July weekend here in the United States. Wall Street is closed for business, but other global markets are certainly up and running. Europe is firmly lower. Asia had a strong session with Chinese stocks rallying just about 2% or so. And a new survey shows China's services sector strengthening at its fastest pace in more than a decade. The Shanghai Composite rose almost 6% this week. It is up uh, more than 3%. In 2020 so far, U.S. stocks had a strong week, too, with all the major averages rising by more than 3%. The Nasdaq finished at record highs. The stronger-than-expected June jobs report that we saw yesterday gave stocks a big boost earlier in Thursday's session. The rally faded near the the close as investors received news that COVID-19 cases in Florida had hit uh, new records. Investors are keenly aware that the ongoing health crisis in this country has the potential to weaken the U.S. economic rebound. Let's get more on this in all of our drivers. A surge in cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. certainly shows no signs of letting up. More than 52,000 new infections were reported on Thursday. That is the highest since the pandemic started for a second day in a row. Let's bring in the senior medical correspondent Elizabeth Cohen, who joins us live now. So, Elizabeth, some people will say that, you know, this resurgence was certainly predictable. What can the rest of the country learn from what is happening in places like Florida, California, Arizona, and
2: Texas? What they can learn is that it may feel like the virus has gone away, but it hasn't. The United States is a, it's, it's a, people, it's a very mobile country. People are going all over the place. Just when it feels like things are okay, you could get a, 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 a peak. You could get a spike. And so you need to be prepared for that. Let's take a look, Zane, at what's happening in these hotspot locations. If we take a look at the top three states, uh, with new cases yesterday, Thursday, Florida saw 10,109 new cases. This is, keep in mind, one day. California 7,869 and Texas 6,769. Let's give a few more details here. In Florida, that number that I just read, that is almost as high as New York State was at its height in April in one day. So Florida is now rivaling what New York State was. If we take a look in California, L.A. County alone, just that one county in Southern California is seeing more than 2,000 new cases per day for the fifth straight day. In Texas, more than 90 counties are showing all-time Records. Now, Zane, various states are doing various things to try to counteract this. For example, in Florida, in Miami Dade County, which is in southern, southern Florida, uh, they are instituting an overnight curfew from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Zane? Okay, so when
1: you think about the curfew, when you think about testing, uh, social distancing, saying six feet apart, wearing masks, what should be the main priority for state governors right now in order to prevent further resurgence?
2: you know i asked an epidemiologist that yesterday and he said That contact tracing, which is where you find the cases, you ask them who they've been in contact with, that that may become less and less useful as the numbers get higher. It just becomes simply kind of too much to handle for contact tracers. However, he said what they can focus on is try to think about where is this growth coming from. For example, in in South Florida, you know it's that's a that's a big party area, and so if you figure out that the bars where young people are going and congregating late at night are part of what's responsible for the spread, then you shut down the bars, which is effective you know, what they're doing with this curfew. Um, That's the kind of thing they need to figure out where is this coming from. They need to get the message out loud and clear. Do not congregate. You could be in danger or even if you're not in danger, you could get infected and then you could really effectively you could kill someone else who wants that. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. And also, if you do have to go out, wear masks. Those are the basic messages that need to be told loud and clear. So it's one thing, Elizabeth, to tell people do not congregate. But obviously
1: it is Fourth of July weekend here in the United States. Um, There's the potential for large family gatherings and that sort of thing. I mean, how do you make sure that people really adhere to the guidelines, especially if they're congregating within their houses, to make sure there isn't further spread?
2: You know, Zane, that is really a tough one. The police, uh, nobody wants the police going, nor could they go, house to house saying, hmm, you've got, you know, 30 people here for a 4th of July barbecue, break it up, that's not going to happen. I mean, unfortunately, people need to take personal responsibility with this. And I think the only way that that's going to happen is if they realize that they are at risk, or even if they're not at risk, let's say they're young and chances are they would be fine, not 100%, but chances are they would be fine. It needs to be explained very clearly, you may be fine, but you may be infected, not know it, and you may kill your grandmother. And I know that's very stark language, you could kill your grandmother, but I think we've gotten to the point where people need to be told that, because to your point, you can't control it, you can't go house to house, barbecue to barbecue, 4th of July picnic to 4th of July picnic. You, you have to allow people, you have to enable people, you have to encourage people to basically police themselves.
1: That is, that is the key thing here, Elizabeth Cohen, Life for us there. Thank you so much. OK, so as cases certainly mount in the US, the UK is taking a huge stride towards a full reopening of their economy. Pubs, restaurants and hotels open on Saturday in the UK. A short while ago, the government actually cleared the way for summer holidays by lifting the quarantine on over 50 countries. Let's bring in Anna Stewart, joining us live now. So, uh, Anna, what does it specifically mean for European travellers, for travellers from the likes of Greece, uh, Germany, Italy, who want a holiday in the UK. They now don't have to quarantine for 14 days.
3: Well, from some countries they won't and this will only actually apply to england we believe at the moment and it'll kick in around next week the end of next week on friday now we're still waiting for the list of countries to be published we've been waiting for this list for all week actually so quite a long time we do know that france germany italy and spain will be exempt from quarantine um, into england from next friday Uh, we're still waiting on the rest and we believe that this list will be a sort of traffic light system On the green and the amber list will be countries that are exempt from quarantine. The green countries are expected to be those with very low risk of the virus, for instance, New Zealand. Um, But you may face restrictions if you go from the UK into those countries. The amber list will be uh, reciprocal uh, arrangements with uh, no quarantine at either end. And Zane, on the red list, we will see countries that are considered too high risk um, to lift the quarantine. And the U.S. is expected to be on that list.
1: So we've got um, more businesses opening up, um, including pubs on what Boris Johnson has dubbed Super Saturday. Pubs are going to be open in the UK from tomorrow. What sort of restrictions, what sort of policing is there going to be in and around pubs just to make sure there's not too much crowding?
3: Well, I think we will see an increased police presence uh, on the high streets. There is a concern, of course, that, you know, everyone wants to go to the pub. It might be quite sunny tomorrow afternoon as well. And I'll certainly be reporting from a pub just to see how it all goes. There'll be new measures in place within the pub. Social distancing certainly remains, whether it's the hairdressers that are reopening, the pubs, the restaurants. Uh, And the prime minister is expected this afternoon to say that people need to act safely and sensibly, that social distance rule, which is being reduced to one meter plus, but it is still very much in place. You can go to a pub from tomorrow in England, but you cannot hug, pubs, no hugs. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see how it works. And also what the consumer appetite will be. People may be happy to go stand outside a pub, have a drink in the sunshine, in the outside air. Will they want to go inside the pub? Will they want to go to a cinema? Uh, And how many businesses will actually feel that they can reopen given there will still be quite depressed uh, consumer appetite, Zane?
1: Right, Alice Stewart, live for us there. We'll look forward to your reporting uh, from the pubs tomorrow. Thank you. FedEx has asked the Washington Redskins to change their name over its racist connotations. The company is a major sponsor of the NFL team and the move comes after growing pressure from its investors. Alison Cossack joins us live now, so Alison, you know, we've seen a lot of people protest and try to put pressure on that team in the past to get them to change their name, appealing to Dan Snyder, who owns the Washington Redskins. He hasn't done it. He hasn't budged at all. What is going to be different this time? Do you think that perhaps it's the mood in the country because there's been a sea change there or just because of corporate America and the power of the purse putting pressure here?
4: I think you are, are are dead right about something about the mood in this country and I think that is what these investors are seizing on because you're right, this has been an effort by investors, gosh, for over a decade to try to get the Washington Redskins to change their name. So late last night. FedEx uh, did send a communication uh, publicly saying that it wants the NFL to go ahead and change uh, the name of the Washington Redskins in response to this nearly 100 uh, investors and shareholders who uh, oppose the use of the name because of the racist connotations. Keep in mind these groups of investors they represent uh, collectively six hundred and twenty billion dollars in assets, which include three companies FedEx, Nike, and Pepsi. So these investors, they wrote three separate letters to those companies, uh, to the CEOs, asking them to sever their relationship with the Washington Redskins unless the team change its name. Uh, What are the relationships? FedEx, as you said, is is a huge sponsor of the Washington Redskins. It owns the naming rights to the stadium that the Washington Redskins call home in Landover, Maryland. Uh, Pepsi is the snack and beverage partner of the Washington Redskins, and Nike provides equipment and uniforms to the team so as I said so far only heard publicly from FedEx asking the NFL to change uh, the, the, uh, the team name so far no comment from Nike Pepsi. In those letters, interesting to see how they term why they are uh, continuing this effort to change the name. They say virtually every major national American Indian organization has denounced use of Indian and Native related images, names and symbols disparaging or offending American Indian peoples with over 2,000 academic institutions eliminating Indian sports references. Specifically you look at the the letter to Nike. Uh, These investors do acknowledge that Nike has taken Great steps for transparency and to quote keep alive the public conversation and systemic racism and police brutality by launching a campaign featuring Colin Kaepernick, who we all know took a knee during the national anthem uh, at one and to protest uh, police brutality. However, this note goes on to say uh, that Nike continues to supply equipment and uniforms to the Washington Redskins despite all of the other actions that Nike has taken. Zane?
1: and just sort of putting um washington redskins and nike and fedex aside we're also seeing major changes in corporate america elsewhere because after two engineers complained twitter and jp morgan are now removing words like master slave and blacklist from their coding language just walk us through what happened there
4: yeah twitter uh, of course just one of Many in corporate America trying to confront the issue of race. So it it turns out that in Twitter's code, meaning the stuff that you and I may not see outwardly, so uh, we're seeing oftentimes the the terms "master," "slave," and "blacklist" are used. uh, But after uh, engineers at Twitter lobbied for the use of more inclusive programming language, that language will now change. We've also learned that America's biggest bank, J.P. Morgan, is also going to make changes. That is according to results. So uh, just so you know, in code, master and slave refer to one process in the code that controls another, while blacklist in code uh, refers to items blocked, like forbidden IP addresses. Those words will uh, will now be taken out, and instead, master and slave will become leader and follower, Blacklist will become denylist. Zane? Um, I, I must admit, I was
1: surprised it's taken this long. Um, Alison Cossack, live for us there. Thank you so much. I agree. These are the stories making headlines around the world. A prominent democracy activist has fled Hong Kong after China imposed a tough new security law. Nathan Law, one of the leaders of the 2014 Umbrella Movement, says he left the city so he could continue to protest about the treatment of Hong Kongers from overseas. Meantime, CNN's Ivan Watson spoke to Hong Kong's Justice Secretary about the new security law. I want you to listen to this.
5: Once these laws are enacted, as they are now, uh, people will then be able to be more vigilant about ensuring that no such activities that's going to affect the sovereignty is going to arise and therefore the national security is preserved. Prosperity and stability comes as a matter of course.
0: Do you think a
6: majority of the population supports this law
5: here in Hong Kong? I think they do. I really think they do because it's-, it's I, You know, one <laughs> of the problems
6: is that popular opinion polls show your, your chief executive is very unpopular uh, and that China's policies here in Hong Kong are deeply unpopular. There was no effort to pass a referendum to get any mandate of popular support for this. This was imposed on the people here.
5: National security is the sovereign right. And in fact, for every state, that is one of the most important things. For every national... And in particular in Hong Kong, as I said, we're very uh, 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 a very international city. We, we look at people here as Hong Kong residents who come from all over the world. They still have an allegiance to Hong Kong because, you know, as a matter of common law, there is a concept of temporary allegiance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all love Hong Kong as the home. They all want Hong Kong to be stable and uh, prosperous. They all want to move forward from the difficult times that we had last year. The national security law will give us just that environment for us to calm down, stop all that. And one of the things that has to be observed and uh, it's worth mentioning that the, there is no retrospective effect. So in other words, it's a clean break. Everybody now knowing what should not take place. Will
6: the commemoration of the June 4 Tiananmen
0: Square massacre, the June 4 Museum here in Hong Kong, uh, will that be allowed in the future under this national security law?
5: Anything is first of all, I think it's important to bear in mind that in the national security law, as well as in our basic law, we reiterate the importance of preserving the rights and freedoms of people in Hong Kong. And so that is still going to be a very much a core of our rule of law and of our values here in Hong Kong. So that's not going to change. So when people ask, will that happen or will that be allowed in the future? I think it all has to be put in context.
1: Elaine Maxwell, accused of being an accomplice of the convicted paedophile Jeffrey Epstein, made her first court appearance via teleconference. The judge ordered her to be transferred from New Hampshire, where she was arrested, to New York. Maxwell is charged with six offenses, including the sex trafficking of minors. India's Prime Minister paid his first visit to the frontier region of Lakhda since deadly clashes last month at the disputed border with China. Referring to China's ambitions in the region, Narendra Modi said the need for expansion has always posed a danger to world peace. Twenty Indian soldiers were killed in the fighting french prime minister Edward philippe handed in his resignation today it's all part of president Emmanuel macron's push to reshuffle his cabinet ahead of the 2022 presidential elections the new pm is 55 years old uh, and he's government veteran jean castex all right coming up on first move here delivering in the midst of a pandemic the president of latin america's fast-growing delivery service Rappi will be on the show plus Oh some Tesla cars have insane mode for top speed and stockholders are enjoying the ride of their lives why traders are staying this car company are saying while this car company can simply do no wrong as Tesla stock price reaches new highs, CEO Elon Musk is feeling jubilant enough to have some controversial fun at the expense of short sellers and notably the U.S. markets regulator, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Among several tweets on Thursday, there was this SEC, three-letter acronym, middle word is Elons. All of this comes after Tesla became the world's most valuable car maker, with its shares climbing above $1,200. But my next guest thinks that that is the best case scenario. Tesla stock could go as high as $2,000, certainly very bullish. Dan Ives is the managing director of equity research at Wedbush Securities. He joins us live now via Skype. So Dan, before we get to the tweets, why are you so bullish? Why do you think this stock, I believe it's at $1,200 now, why do you think it could get up to $2,000?
7: Look, it really comes down to what you're seeing in the EV market, especially in China. You know, China, I think, is worth three to $400 incrementally per share. And we're still in the first, second inning of the EV market taking over. And I think what you're seeing here with Tesla, you know, production, we could be at a million deliveries in the next two years. You put that together, I think you look at a stock in the next year that could approach $2,000. I think what you saw this quarter on the deliveries was just what I would view as a home run quarter in light of a very dark backdrop.
1: Yeah, Elon Musk is certainly taking victory laps on Twitter about that. Um, in addition to the tweets I just I just read a second ago, he also referred to uh, the SEC as the Short Seller Enrichment Commission as well. And listen, we know, we all know that Elon Musk is, is a risk taker. We all know that he's provocative, um, but this is not the first time his tweets have gotten got him into trouble. We all remember back in 2018, he talked about um, having enough funding to take Tesla private and he got into trouble there. Um, How much do you think these particular tweets, these last tweets he made yesterday, could get him into trouble with the SEC?
7: Look, I think the difference with Musk, and we've seen across Twitter, is that as we got into the last year, that obviously caused a number of issues. I think the difference right now from an investor perspective is that He's actually not just talk-to-talk, talk, but walk-to-walk walk in terms of deliveries, profitability. And you're starting to see a company right now, I And mean, obviously you see it from a market cap perspective, but just start to capitalize on this opportunity. And I think right now there's always going to be background noise with Musk. But from a street perspective, from the stock right now, it continues to really be a situation where you know it's Tesla's world and everyone else is paying rent in the EV perspective.
1: Yeah, in terms of vehicle production, deliveries, they're certainly smashing expectations. In fact, um, it's interesting because General Motors, Toyota, Fiat Chrysler and Ford all saw their second quarter sales uh, plunge by more than 30 percent, obviously because you have the coronavirus and that's forcing people to stay home. Um, Tesla did much better than all of those competitors. Why?
7: It comes down to electric vehicles. Because you're seeing not just in China, but even in the U.S. over the last month in Europe, you know, in terms of the demand, you know, they continue to really be the only game in town in terms of what they've done from an EV perspective. Remember, they don't advertise. The DNA of the Model Threes continues to resonate with consumers, and that's why. Look, you're talking about three to four percent market share today of overall the EV. You know, over the next call it five six years, you could be seeing ten percent. I think just Another data point, you look at the Cybertruck, which won't be coming out until 2022. Pre-orders, we believe, are approaching 700,000. So right now, Tesla is in a massive position of strength, especially in light of a COVID-19 pandemic, economic abyss. In terms of what they're doing, it's just that much more impressive than really any other competitor.
1: So you believe that they're going to reach their pre-pandemic, full-year 2020 target of 500,000 deliveries?
7: Yeah, I think right now, based on everything we see, I think four fifty to 500000 is now back in the cards. And I think you're seeing the stock reflect that. The other thing to remember, if we go back to last year, it was they were doing this, but it was reading. They weren't profitable. Now, because of the cost structure, they're profitable. And that's really the one-two punch. That P word, profitability, is the key, I think, to take this to new levels.
1: And just take us on the wild ride that Tesla's share price has been on over the past six months. The share price has literally tripled in six months. It's about $1,200 now. Six months ago, I believe it was around 450 or so. Um, just just walk us through. Give us a bird's eye view of, of that tear we're seeing in the share price.
7: Yeah, in bird's eye, even if you look back the last year, you had production issues, obviously regulatory issues between Musk and and different things he's done on Twitter, and and really his profitability, that that was not consistent. So what you've started to see is a roller coaster. And especially in COVID pandemic, with a Fremont facility that was shut down, you had the standoff versus Alameda County in terms of threatening to move out of there. And then I think it was one where you continue to see a company from a production delivery perspective, you know, really succeed. But the key here, I mean, the headline is China. China's the star of the show for Tesla. And that's really one of the winchpins to the growth going forward. And this continues to be one where the haters will hate Tesla. But ultimately, you can't deny the numbers. And that's what we saw with just historic short covering that's going on.
1: Yeah. Haters going to hate. All right. uh, Dan Ives of Wedbush Securities. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on. Enjoy your... Fourth of July weekend, whatever you're up to. You too. Right, coming up, a monumental test of social distancing at Mount Rushmore. President Trump heads there today for Fourth of July celebrations. Fireworks galore, but masks optional. That's next. And welcome back to First Move. A reminder once again that the US markets are closed for early Fourth of July celebrations today. A uh, little in the way of fireworks over in Europe, where stocks are actually lower across the board. New numbers show service sector activity improving in Europe over the past month. Chinese stocks got a boost from strong service sector growth there as well. Shanghai Composite rose over 2 percent. Asian stocks also getting a boost from strong U.S. jobs report released yesterday, which showed some 4.8 million new jobs created in June. President Trump hailed the report, calling it a sign that the U.S. economy is, quote, roaring back. President Trump heads to South Dakota today to attend July 4th celebrations at Mount Rushmore. Thousands are expected to gather for the first fireworks display there in over a decade. But with the crowds, of course, comes concerns over health as well. Joe Johns is live at the Mount Rushmore National Memorial now. so, Joe, it's not just this move by Trump, it's not just controversial because of uh, health concerns when it comes to social distancing. It's also controversial for other reasons. When you think about the land there and the fact that Native Americans were not compensated for that land, when you think about the person who actually sculpted Mount Rushmore and the fact that he had ties to the KKK, and when you think about some of the people, the former presidents, who are sculpted there, and the fact that, you know, they have a history with slavery, this is controversial for other reasons, given the climate we're seeing in the United States right now.
8: That's absolutely right. And as you know, the climate in the United States has certainly been tense when it comes to racial issues. And the president is wading right into that here at Mount Rushmore because the Lakota Sioux, The Native American tribes have essentially been opposed to this monument ever since it was conceived. And they plan to demonstrate, in fact, there will be protests here over not just the president's arrival, but also the fact that, as you said, this land has been taken away from the Native Americans. They consider this land sacred, and uh, they say it ought to be given back to them also. There's that other issue that so many of us have discussed on the air over the last uh, several weeks, and that is the president's tendency to try to preserve these relics of heritage and history in the United States that many people here see as symbols of oppression. Uh, the president has uh, fought to keep statues up that people wanted to tear down. He said that he will preserve the names of Confederate generals that are on army bases around the United States. So that debate continues and the president flies in here and walks smack dab into the the Mount Rushmore issue Zane.
1: Um and Joe, let's just talk about the health concerns. Um, in the New York Times Paul Krugman put it best. He said, by now, according to Trump officials, we were supposed to be seeing a fading pandemic and a roaring recovery. Instead, we have a fading recovery and a roaring pandemic. Given all of that, when you think about the fact that, you know, there's not going to be any social distancing there, who are we kidding? And masks are optional. What is the president thinking?
8: Well, the president is essentially going with his gut that he's going to put on with the help of the Republican South Dakota governor, a patriotic event that kicks off July 4th, a celebration of Independence Day. And the governor has made a point of saying, look, this is a free country. If you want to social distance, if you want to wear a mask, we'll make the mask available to you, but we're not going to require it. Uh, You decide what you want to do in the United States. And South Dakota can do that a little bit easier than some states, while it is on the increase in terms of the numbers of coronavirus cases. There's something like 7,000 people who have been tested positive, 97 people who have died. Nothing like what we've seen in some of the other states. The question is, where is coronavirus going from here? And as one of the officials in the state said, we're not going to know that for another two or three weeks, Saying.
1: Right, Joe Johns, live for us. Thank you so much. Millions of young Americans will be spending the July 4th holiday at home with their parents this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Free meals and free rent are great for now, but this new cultural trend could actually have long-term effects on the economy. Here's our Claire Sebastian with more.
9: When Daniel Tetley left LA in mid-March to celebrate his 25th birthday in New York, he had no idea he wouldn't be going back.
7: The moment that I landed, I, my phone blew up, I had like a thousand texts, my restaurant had shut down, New York City had shut down, my parents came and picked me up. And we came back to Connecticut and I never went back.
9: He was furloughed from the restaurant he worked at and his lease was monthly, so he simply gave notice and a friend shipped his belongings.
7: My two other siblings, all three of us, are home again. And I don't think anyone ever thought that we would ever be in this situation again in our childhood home.
9: Least of all, his mom, Kathleen. Now there's meals every night for mom to cook. The laundry
0: is always filled with somebody else using my washer. The dishwasher runs night and day. The
10: food bills are crazy.
9: Daniel and his siblings are among 2.7 million Americans, mostly aged 25 and under, who moved in with parents or grandparents in March and April this year, taking the total to a record 32 million, according to real estate website Zillow.
0: When you think about the size of the people that are uh, moving back home, you're talking at around $726 million at risk that traditionally flows into that rental market. Now, uh, rent non-payment or more people doubling up like this, moving back home uh, is causing the pressure to come off of rent growth.
9: Young people have been some of the hardest hit by job losses during the pandemic. Now, if the unemployment picture continues to improve, we may see some of them starting to come back into the rental market. But it's not just those who lost jobs who decided to head back home to mom and dad. The rumors started spreading in New York um, that subways are gonna close down, the city's gonna shut
5: down and offices are shutting down. So at that point, I booked a flight home.
9: 24-year-old Tariq Agard works as a management consultant in New York a job she can keep doing from her parents' house in L.A.
5: I live alone in New York in a one-bedroom apartment, just knowing
9: that if I had to be quarantined alone, I knew it wouldn't be easy. Her New York lease was up in May and she didn't extend. Her plan now is to stay with her parents until her office reopens.
5: I definitely fear in a way that it is stunting my growth as um, as a recent college graduate. I think even my mom is worried about me. She keeps telling people that this is a wasted year for me.
9: And experts say the longer young people stay at home, the deeper the impact on real estate.
0: It is an incredible advantage to avoid rent, especially when rent is taking up a larger and larger share of income and student loan debt is at record highs. Now, if they stay in their uh, Gen X parents' homes, uh, then that could have repercussions, not just for the rental market, uh, but for the for sale market as well in the
9: future. Weeks have already turned to months for millions of Americans living in these new arrangements. The question now is whether months turn to years. Claire Sebastian, CNN, New York.
1: All right, after the break, the co-founder of Rappi tells me what's being done to protect its delivery riders as COVID cases spike in Brazil. So Brazil and the coronavirus pandemic is far from being the country's only crisis. Shasta Darlington has taken a closer look at the other problems it faces as well.
10: Dining in front of Rio's famed shores, patrons attempt a return to normalcy as Brazil's second largest city reopens for business. We just opened after almost four months of being closed. Now we're coming back. On Thursday, Rio de Janeiro entered its latest stage of reopening, allowing restaurants, bars and cafes to accept a limited number of customers with social distancing rules in place. Residents can also return to the gym. Rio is joining other cities around Brazil in the phased reopening, as the world's second worst-hit country sees coronavirus cases nearing 1.5 million, with a steady increase in new daily infections.
11: We have the problem of people who are going to work because the economy is being reopened. If they become infected, they will take this infection to their relatives, many of them elderly, many of them with complex health
10: issues. Despite warnings from experts, many regional leaders are desperate as finances plummet and unemployment soars. Now, millions of Brazil's informal workers face a stark choice. Go to work and risk infection or go hungry.
7: We are
0: totally exposed to the coronavirus every day, without any protection. And because companies do not deliver masks, we have to make our own mask or buy them, and buy hand sanitizer.
10: As coronavirus wreaks havoc on Brazil's already fragile economy, it aggravates some of the country's chronic problems. In the Amazon rainforest, deforestation is surging. Environmental activists warn illegal loggers and ranchers are capitalizing on less oversight, burning more land as the pandemic stretches official resources. That may be responsible for a jump in fires, the most in June since 2007. Now fears are rising of a coming dry season, with more smoke posing respiratory dangers.
6: Slash and burn clearing of land already represents a serious health problem. If we have land clearing and COVID-19 together, this could mean catastrophic consequences for the region.
10: A burning Amazon also adds to threats facing indigenous populations, where COVID-19 is sweeping through communities. Brazil's government has sent medical workers and military to help protect some isolated tribes, but the virus has already infected thousands of tribe members and killed dozens. That's according to the government's Special Indigenous Health Service. The indigenous population now part of a grim milestone. On Wednesday, Brazil reached more than 60,000 coronavirus deaths. A tribute to those victims lit on Christ the Redeemer. Rio's famed statue acknowledging the morbid toll of COVID-19 as the city reopens amid
1: crisis. Shasta, Darlington, CNN, Sao Paulo. Right. So you heard Shasta Darlington talk about that grim milestone that Brazil has just reached. It is the country that is reporting the most coronavirus cases after the U.S. And it is the hardest hit country in Latin America by a long shot. And it might not even have reached its peak yet with just shy of one5 million coronavirus infections reported so far. Across Latin America, the food delivery service, Rappi, a unicorn, thanks to a major investment by SoftBank, has more than 350,000 deliveries. And in Brazil, there have been protests about the risks drivers are exposed to during the pandemic uh, sebastian meia is the president and co-founder of rapi he joins us live now from sao paulo sebastian thank you so much for being with us so um let's just talk about your business right now in brazil um, walk me through how much of a surge in demand specifically have you seen since the pandemic started
6: hi saying thanks for having me uh, yeah. absolutely we've, we've seen a surge and 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 we've also seen a lot of challenges to be able to operate under these circumstances. Uh, part of our mission is to drive progress uh, in the region and continue to invest. And, and I think uh, it's shown that RAPI is even more needed now as an essential service. So we're very committed to continue to operate under these circumstances.
1: So there are a few things here that, uh, that are potential problems. Number one, you know, obviously, you know that Brazil has the second highest number of cases after the U.S. and it is the largest or the most hit country in Latin America. And there's also the issue that um, a lot of cases, many believe, are underreported there. So things could be far worse than we imagine. So given all of that, what are you doing? How are you committing to keeping your drivers safe?
6: Absolutely. So, so since this started back in March, we completely transformed our operation to be able to serve our customers uh, with all of the um, health uh, guarantees and all the protection. Uh, we did that across all of our, our operations with restaurants, with uh, supermarkets, with pharmacies. Um, we set up a fund you know, to support the restaurants. We also set up a fund to support uh, uh, couriers and, and assist them with medical needs. Uh, our team has has been doing an incredible job uh, working twenty four seven to be able to guarantee that we're serving society in moments like this uh, You can imagine um, Rappi as an essential service with a big part of our business being supermarkets and and pharmacies there's been an important uptake of users needing our product so it's been it's been quite uh, uh, intense but we're very very committed as I was telling you earlier and and It's been uh, uh, quite an interesting thing to see, in spite of all of the the more challenging news that we're seeing all around us. uh, We still think that e-commerce and and products like ours have a very important role in society.
1: And you've actually been testing robots as well in certain countries in order to keep people safe. Is that... I mean, given this climate, we don't know when COVID-19 is going to end. Do you think that robots and that kind of innovation is the future of the delivery business across the world?
6: So, say, let, let me maybe step back and, and talk a bit more about, about why, why we're building, what we're building. Uh, we started a company a little bit over four years ago, and, and, and we wanted to create a, a, a company that drive, drove progress in the region by digitizing commerce. Uh, This means that we created a product that allows consumers to solve their day-to-day needs uh, from restaurants to groceries to e-commerce. It's very important because Latin America has a very large population, probably the most urban population in the world. So you can add a lot to their quality of life. We also build a product that allows uh, couriers to have a flexible income and and an additional source of income. uh, So we're driving enormous impact in their lives. And we also build a product that is basically accelerating the digitalization of commerce uh, for merchants, whether it's a restaurant or a retailer. So we are a very unique product. Um, probably all of it is bundled into one product, unlike many of the companies that you see in other parts of the world. And and this means that we are very, very innovative and we're constantly trying things. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, Robots is is, is going to be um, necessarily the future. We We have those more than 350,000 couriers generating income on any given month and delivering products. So we're very committed to them and that's a a key priority for us. Even in moments like this where where we're seeing a surge in unemployment and and a lot of people being impacted by by COVID and its crisis.
1: So you're committed to protecting jobs is what you're saying. Okay, Uh, Sebastian, we have to leave it there. We run out of time. Uh, President of RAPI, Sebastian Mejia, thank you so much. And we'll have much more news on First Move after the break. Well, you can't see it on Broadway right now, of course, but the smash hit musical Hamilton is now available to stream.
11: Don't forget from whence you came, and the world's gonna know your name. What's your name? Alexander Hamilton.
1: My name is
11: Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> word got a gown.
0: they said
1: this kid is insane. version of Hamilton is now available on Disney+, Plus. as a growing number of new movies are being released via video, on demand, or streaming. Here's Richard Quest with more.
8: Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You!
11: What is going on? It was back in January when Palm Springs, no, 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 Andy Samberg's new romantic comedy was on track to make a big splash. It had sold at Sundance for a record price, reportedly more than $17 million. The buyers Hulu and the distributor Neon had agreed for a dual release. It would go to the theatres first and then online. Then came COVID. Now the movie theatres are shut across the United States and in the rest of the world.
8: It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about.
11: The producers said goodbye to the idea that's of funny. a splashy theatrical release. And instead, Palm Springs will premiere on Hulu on July the 10th. And there'll be a few drive-in theatres as well. It was something that, you know, Andy and I and the director and everybody, you know, we're looking forward to. So we're, we're definitely bummed out a little bit, but that's, um, that's the, the world we're in right now. To release or not to release, that is the question that faces all of Hollywood now. The studios have delayed big-budget films like Christopher Nolan's Tenet and Disney's Mulan. Waiting, hoping that movie theatres may reopen, studios cannot wait forever. Some are choosing instead to rent or sell the movie direct to viewers, known as PVOD or Premium Video On
0: Demand. If... Theaters do not open in July, or even if they do and then they close down, or if attendance is just there, I guarantee that one of these big blockbuster films is going to take a chance, and go PVOD, and we're gonna know, we're gonna have the answer to how much film can, how much a film can gross uh, on this streaming format. Can it make a billion dollars?
11: More niche films like kids' movies, indie comedies, and horror are already releasing on streaming service. on demand and what's more they're finding captive profitable audiences
8: there are other kinds of trolls
11: trolls world tour actually brought in more money for universal through on demand than the first trolls movie did in the theaters as for palm springs the producer dylan sellers says putting the film on indefinite hold wasn't really an option because they're a small studio I need to recoup the costs even without theatrical release he says they'll turn a profit i think if you talk to the folks at hulu they'll tell you that this has been an incredible attraction for their viewers it is surpassing all their expectations um in terms of uh you know audience subscriber interest the clear losers in all of this are the movie theaters The movie chain AMC is now warning it has serious doubts it can even stay in business. Viewers were already shifting online. The pandemic has sped up this transition.
0: The battle is being won by streaming right now. And uh, for the foreseeable future, that's going to continue. Blockbusters,
11: to be sure, will probably always be shown in the movie theaters first, at least for now. Richard Quest, CNN, New
0: York.
1: All right, that is it for the show. I'm Zane Asher wishing all of you a safe and fun holiday weekend here in the U.S. Enjoy your weekend. Bye.
0: When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.